So why does a woman cover her head? One reason that we looked at there was because it does give her actual true power. It does place her under the divine protection of God. It does place her with that shield and that protection so that, again, that the angels looking upon, the devils, the demons looking upon, know that this woman is not available. This woman is not to be touched. This woman is, she is not for the taking. And when a woman uncovers her head, again, she opens herself up to temptation and oppression, and she becomes a victim of that world that begins, again, to press her and push her and shape her into that mold. She's almost powerless to resist it. She's almost completely powerless to resist the pressures and the temptation and the oppression that comes from the world system that's demonic in its, in its entirety. She becomes almost powerless to resist it when she takes that head covering off and unveils herself. How quickly she becomes pressed into that mold. But when a woman stands and she understands God's calling for her, when she understands God's placement and God's order and what she's been commissioned by God to do, and she readily of her own free will embraces that, and she puts that head covering on as a testimony, it does truly become, within the kingdom of God, it does truly become a political expression to the world that she as a woman created in God's order that she as a woman is going to testify and she is going to demonstrate and she is going to say that she is not some poor victim that is being ruled by some male chauvinist dictator. She is not some poor oppressed woman who is naive and ignorant and has not learned yet to identify herself or name herself or, or achieve this this liberation and this freedom. But as a woman in God's design and God's plan, she chooses to embrace that, to accept that, and to model her life then to fulfill that calling. And she places that head covering on her head. She becomes and she gives a political expression to the world and to the angels. And I would suggest that she and thereby doing that, demonstrates a power that the women of this world know nothing about. Are you following that? The women of this world know nothing about that. I've, I've been amazed how many times I think our women are some of the objects of passive aggression more than any other women in the world. When a woman dis- chooses of her own free will to identify herself with the people of God, and she places that covering upon her head, she becomes the object of the wrath of other women. She really does. She becomes the object of the wrath of other women. She becomes hated, not by men, she becomes hated by other women. Women who have walked away from their role, women who've walked away from their calling, women who have rejected the headship order that God has placed. Those women begin to hate our sisters who choose and embrace the order that God has created. And they become the objects of a lot of 
I would say passive aggression. And what I mean by that, you go to the doctor and you're expecting your ninth. And all of these female nurses, female doctors, they look at you, they look at your wife, and there's just almost like a, 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 an expression of like despicable. You poor enslaved woman. You poor thing. You have not recognized what your potential as a woman could be. You poor enslaved woman that you are at home, barefoot, in the kitchen, raising children, slave to this male here who they can't hardly look at me a lot of times. They just, you just feel like you're just like the scum. How could you let this man dictate over you? How could you let this man rule over you? Don't you know your potential as a woman? Don't you know your, what you could be? And by the woman putting on that head covering, she's saying, I know what I am. I know what I am. And she's saying, and she's giving political expression that I refuse. God so help me, I refuse to put myself or allow myself to be pressed into that mold that has shaped and defined womanhood in such a way that has made it utterly beneath God's calling. And these women who are belittled and looked upon as being like, oh, you poor thing. I don't know how many times it happens to my wife in a week. Certainly a month. How many times she's looked upon as, oh, you poor little thing. Can't stand up for yourself, can you? Must have a dominating husband, huh? And I'll tell you what. When a woman embraces the calling of God, we're dealing still with the why. Why does a woman cover her head? When a woman embraces her place and her calling and her position as God has ordained it, and she places herself as that helpmate to her husband, and she is that mom there at home, and she's tending there to her children, and she's nurturing, and she's cherishing, and she's raising up that, that family, and she's resisting that mold. She's not painting her face. She's not putting on the jewelry. She's not meeting, having to meet that form, that model there of five, six hundred, ten pounds, long flowing, dyed hair. There are no women on the face of the earth who are stronger than our women. There's not. These are not weak women. These are not poor, pathetic, undefined, oppressed women. These women, when they put the head covering on, they put power on their head. They are strong women. They are strong women that resist, that resist the pressuring of the world to mold them into something that God never intended them to be. 
They are powerful women. That's a glory. It's a beautiful thing. When our wives and the political expression that that gives and what the message that that sends to the world, yes, our women are not going to be on the street corners picketing. Our women are not going to be on the street corners with signs saying, you must submit to your husbands. Our women are not going to be on the sidelines there at the offices when women are coming in and saying, you should be at home with your children. But when our women put on that head covering in a very real political expression, they are saying something far more profound than any of the feminist movements, any of the women's rights movements, any of the women's liberation movements could ever say with all of their pickets and all of their demonstrations. And that meek and quiet spirit, they are demonstrating to the world God's plan. And the angels look upon our sisters when they cover their heads and they praise God. They give him the honor. They give him the glory. When they see a woman in submission to God's order and God's plan, she's submitting to her husband, and her husband's submitting to Christ. There are object lessons that are happening there in the, in the glories of heaven where they are praising God and saying, oh God, we never knew that you were this great. We knew, but we never saw this. There is something truly powerful when a woman chooses to cover her head and all that that entails and all that that embraces of the submission to the husband and the, the help meet to the husband and the ordering of the home and the nurturer and, the, and taking care of the children and raising them and helping there. When she embraces all of that, that creation narrative that's given there in Genesis and she embraces that, There's power there. And that woman will not quickly be pressed into the molds of this world. It is unbecoming. What does that painted face appeal to a woman with her head covered? Those, those principalities and powers, the devils that can so easily push these weak women into their mold, it has no hold on them. They're able to resist those temptations. They're under the divine keeping and power of God when they choose to cover their head. You see, there's a great reason there. And when that is taken off, how many times? How many times when you see a woman uncover her head, how quick is it that she quickly uncovers her legs? She uncovers her, her form? She begins to paint her face. She puts on jewelry. She decks herself up. You remove that power and you place yourself under the mold of the world. And you become insignificant in the sight of the angels. You're nothing to them. You're just, now you're theirs. So they can come. There's reasons why when that is taken off, there's so much more that happens there than just removing the head covering. That's one reason why a woman ought to cover her head. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. A 
I believe that one of the most powerful and effective tools that the true church of God has today against the ideologies and the speaking specifically of the feminist agenda that has utterly won the day is if Christian women would unashamedly put back on the head covering and not be ashamed to do it, not be embarrassed to do it. If they would know the meaning that stands behind it. You know, it's a thing of embarrassment to so many, and it's because they don't understand why. How many women today, they're really they're embarrassed about the head covering. They go to Walmart. They go to, again, they go, they go around, and they're consciously aware, and there's been this, this, this feeling of shame associated with it, this thing of embarrassment. And it's no wonder then that we see a covering become not a covering. It's no wonder then that we see a covering that gets shrunk down to where it almost becomes unidentifiable. Like, I don't think they even have anything on their head. It's because we don't understand the power that's associated with it. It has become, by the feminist agenda and by the ideologies of the world, we have bought into that. And the evidence of that we have bought into it is that I think our women... And the honesty of their heart are often embarrassed about it. And that ought to be repented of. It's not a thing of embarrassment. It's a thing of power. Someone removed the clock. So you're stuck. <laughs> you are stuck. So, well, there's just so many different places we could go with this, but there's another concept of why a woman ought to cover her head. Another reason why. And I'd like to touch on that if I can. It says here, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. So one reason why a woman covers her head is because it that brings true power that demonstrates to the world it is true political action that shows the world that I am choosing to place myself under God and what he has declared, not what a bunch of feminist women and corrupt men have declared. I refuse to place myself into the mold of the world, and I stand against it. A second reason is, is because glory, the hair of the woman, is, the, is, is her glory. As it says here, we're going to go down here and we're going to read verse 15. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Now, we're going to touch on that a little later on. And since we don't have a clock, we might just go ahead and do that here today. <laughs> but, um, but a woman's hair is given to her for a glory. 
And I think in order for us to understand this, we have to understand that we could go, uh, it comes to my mind here, you'll bear with me, I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter, I'm going to say Isaiah chapter 6, I believe. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Now, God made some beautiful creatures. He made the cherubims, He made the seraphims, the angelic host. And the crown of, of His creation, as we'll read there in Genesis, was man. But here we're going to read about a being that was created that was, none of us will question the glory of this being. If we would see the glory of this being, I think we would all probably fall down at the glory of this being. But it says here that the seraphims, and, and, and I'll just start here at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. Now look at what he did here. Look at what this, these seraphims did. They had six wings, but they only used two for flying. They only, I, I, like I've said so many times, I picture these kind of like hummingbirds. I, I picture them, those hummingbirds are so amazing. They just kind of come and they're here and then they hover and, and then they move and they'll come up and they'll look at you. And, and around the throne of God, these seraphims, they've got six wings and here they are and, they, and they're, they're hovering around the throne of God and they're, and they're crying one to another and they said, holy, holy, holy. But two of their wings, they're covering their face while they flutter around the throne of God. And two of them, it says, when twain he covered his feet. I'm not sure where the other reference is made. I believe it's in Ezekiel. It's speaking not of the seraphims, but it's speaking of the cherubims. And it's the same thing. They cover themselves. Satan was referred to as that covering cherub. That covering cherub. As in the presence of God, there was no other glory to compete with the glory of God, and they were to, they were to cover themselves. That no other glory compete with the glory of God. And these seraphims and these cherubims covered themselves, but when that covering cherub, Lucifer, raised himself up, Now he was cast down. And when a woman unveils her glory and in the eyes of the world gains an esteem, though she be on the cover of that magazine and portrayed as the most beautiful woman alive, she in fact casts herself down and she loses the power that's actually been given to her if she would submit herself to God's design and plan. Why ought a woman to cover her head? She is to veil her glory. She is made in the image of God. In Christ, as it says there, if you'll bear with me, it says, 
But I would have you know, this is what we read last week, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. Now look at this headship order here. And there's something here that we're supposed to be getting from this. There's something here that we're supposed to be understanding from this. That, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Now go with me what we shared this morning. And here stands the man and here stands the woman. Made in the image of God. So that when the angels look down from heaven upon this man and upon this woman, they see in this man and this woman an image and a reflection of God. That man by himself would not have been able to do that. And woman by herself would not have been able to do that. By themselves, they would not have been able to see what God was trying to show them there. And this man and this woman are to be a type. We understand what a type is. There are different types of Christ throughout the Old Testament that was to foreshadow that when Christ would come, they would see in that type of a Joshua that they would recognize Christ. They would see in that Moses this type, that, and they would draw these, these, they put the dots together and say, ah, but man and woman is to be a type of the, of the Godhead relationship between God the Father and Christ the Son. That is to be what we are demonstrating as husband and wife, as one. And as we come together, oh, the glories of that, I, I could just go into that, but, but I'll get off a little bit on a different vein of thought. But as the angels look down on this type, and they see the man and they see the woman. What they see is God and they see in Christ is what they ought to be seeing. They ought to be seeing God and they ought to be seeing Christ in the relationship between the man and the woman as, the, as, the, as Christ is the head of the man and the man is the head of the woman and God is the head of Christ. What they're seeing here is this, this relationship. And so why ought a woman to veil and cover up her glory? Because Christ veiled and covered up his glory. Now, you, you aren't going to grasp all that all at once. I've thought on this thing for weeks and weeks, and I still don't grasp all that. But I hope you go home and think about that more, and you consider that more. That as it says here, I want to read this scripture. I want to read this scripture to you, that Christ... Veiled his glory. And in the first chapter of St. John, we read, And we beheld the glory of the only begotten Son of God. But that glory was veiled. We know it was veiled because on the Mount of Transfiguration, whenever his glory shone in all of its fullness, Peter, James, and John, they just went straight to the ground, their faces, and Peter was so delirious with the whole thing, he said, I don't even think he knew what he was saying, but he was just like, Lord, let us build a temple here for one for you and one for Moses and and, and, and all he could do was worship when that glory was truly manifested. But we all know that Christ was veiled. And what was he veiled with? It says here, verse 20. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. 
He covered that glory with his flesh. Why ought a woman to be veiled? Why ought a woman to cover her glory? Her hair is her glory. Why ought a woman to do that? Because she is a representation and a type of Christ here upon the earth. Why ought a man not to cover his head? Because he is a representation and a type and an image and a likeness of God and the authority that God has here upon the earth. Now that's deep. That goes, that goes. I want to go to Numbers chapter 4. Numbers chapter 4, and I want to just point something out here, and we'll probably come back to it. I'm going to, this was given to the sons of Kohath, and we'll touch a little bit more on this later. But it says in verse 5, And when the camp setteth forth, Aaron shall come and his sons, and they shall take down the covering veil. They shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of testimony with it. That word veil there, this particular text, and I won't get into all this, is from the Masoretic text, but if we would look, if we would read this in the Septuagint, So we would be reading it in the Greek. That word veil there in the Septuagint and the word veiling as we read there about Christ, it's the same word. It's the same word. Makes sense that it would be. It's speaking of a veil here and it's speaking of Christ's flesh as a veil. But as we think about that, that Shekinah glory that was there in the holiest of holies, as we think about the temple as we think here about the tabernacle, and as I've said how many times before, that there was this great veil that covered that, and no light could penetrate through that veil. The glory of God was in that place. And if a man chose to go into that veil, anyone other than the high priest, and after very serious cleansing and ritual, if he was to go into that place, he, would have, he was a dead man if he had any defiling, anything defiling him. He was not to step into that place of that Shekinah glory defiled. And God put a veil there and, and, and shielded that. And when God came down upon the tabernacle during the day, there was a cloud that veiled that. No man has ever seen the glory of God and lived to speak of it. Moses said, Lord, that I, would, that I could see your glory. And Moses said, okay, or God said to Moses, that I might be, how did he say that? I might behold your glory, I think. And God says to Moses, Moses, no man, maybe he's asked to see his face. And Moses says, or God says to Moses, Moses, no man has seen my face and lived. But I'll cause my glory to pass by. And he took Moses and he, he hit him in the cleft of a rock. 
by his hand. He covered him with his hand and caused all his glory to pass by. But here is this ark, and here is this glory. And now here is Christ, and his flesh is that veil. His flesh is that veil. His flesh is that covering. And woman, as a type of that, of Christ here on the earth, she ought to cover that glory, that glory of her hair. It ought to be covered. That is another reason. Because it is a type, it is, an, it is a demonstration, it is an illustration, and it shows again the angels and it shows the world that she is in submission to what God has ordered and declared. Why ought a woman to cover her head? Why ought a woman to cover her head? To cover that glory and to represent what God originally intended and created when he made man. They are to manifest that. Why ought a woman to cover her head? Because it gives her power and protection and keeps her safe from the devils and from the demons and from the fallen angels. It testifies to the world that she is not a weak woman. She has the power of God upon her. She's not a weak woman. She's not going to be subjected and placed into the molds of this world. I believe modesty is another reason why a woman ought to cover her head. I'm not going to say a lot about that right now. I think if we would think about those two things, if we would think about those two things, that would give us um, a lot to think about there. Give us a lot to think about. There's a lot more that could be said on that. As I said, I think we could spend hours and hours and hours on this, and it just becomes richer and richer and richer. I would love if our women, instead of feeling that feeling of shame, instead of feeling that feeling of embarrassment, instead of having to fill out that line as a housekeeper, a keeper at home, a housewife, instead of feeling embarrassed by having to come and say, you know, I have 12 children, and I'm going to have another one, 13. And I'm not ashamed of that. Instead of feeling any association with shame that they would, that our wives, that our sisters would recognize the glory and the beauty. That's what I'm saying when I say whenever, it seems like it's buried down there 20 foot down in the rubble and the dust. We've got a long ways to get that thing lifted back up there so woman in her proper place as a woman can be what God really intended. And if you want to know what the best thing, what the most effective way to tear down feminism, to tear down Marxism, to tear down any other of the human ideologies that are going to 
that are afflicting this and plaguing this culture that we live in today. Reclaiming womanhood for how God has really intended it, it will do that. And our wives will be hated, they'll be ostracized, they'll be belittled, they'll be mocked, they'll be looked at as you poor, pathetic, weak little creatures, but before God, they have the power of God upon them. It's glorious. All that our women would see that, that our sisters would see that. They would see the power of that. That they wouldn't be ashamed of it. 